does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. We are back. Another Kevin's Corner this week. This is kind of our first of, you know, probably a couple free agency recaps. You try to break these up into a little bit of a window. Obviously, Monday's pod, if you missed that, was much more specific on the Carolina trade up to number one and the impact of that for the Colts. We're coming at you late Thursday morning. Uh, We've seen several Colts moves, whether that be new names re-signings, guys leaving. Um, if I had to venture to guess, I think Gardner Minshew might be one that hasn't officially happened yet, but that could be a guy that uh, comes into the fold here at some point as well. And again, as we record this, Eddie, you still have free agents in Paris Campbell. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, you would assume, would not return. Uh, Rodney McLeod is also a free agent. He played the third most defensive snaps for you last season. You know, does he still want to play at the age of 32? I I think that would be a question as well. Uh, But first off, Eddie, great seeing you, man. It is Thursday of March Madness, so this is a a holiday for many, as it is for me. I would agree. I wish uh, we could have the day off, but, uh, you know, you you got to do your work. But uh, on the Paris Campbell front, before we really dive into, you know, Stephon Gilmore being traded and the signings that the Colts have made thus far. Have you heard anything regarding Paris Campbell and the level of interest in returning to Indianapolis? Um, and is there right now a clear favorite in his mind? I don't know if you know anything on that. Yeah, I don't think there is a favorite. I know there is definite mutual interest from the Colts and Campbell to return, but I also realize Paris Campbell's a guy that I think would have a good amount of interest from around the league. And, you know, Eddie, it took a while for the wide receiver market to get going in Mm -hmm. in free agency. Now it has with Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard and Juju Smith-Schuster and some of those others. So I do think we're probably nearing something on the Campbell front. I mean, I've said all along I'm very interested to see how much interest Frank Reich would have in, you know, bringing him to Carolina. So um, we'll have to see how that one plays out. I think wide receiver is a need, even if you bring him back. And I want to make this very clear, Eddie. The re-signing of Ashton Doolin should have zero impact on Paris Campbell. Ashton Doolin should be, at best, a special teamer. A very mm-hmm. good one, of course. And then you're whatever, your fifth or sixth wideout. He does not need to be your number three wideout and projecting him into that slot role. Before we get into the individual moves, just kind of an overview so far, Eddie. Uh, these are the names of uh, Colts players they have lost. Um, Stephon Gilmore, of course, to the Cowboys. Bobby O'Karake to the Giants. Uh, you can argue the level of loss of these ne- next two names. Brandon Faison to the Raiders. And then the official release of Matt Ryan. The guys they have brought in or the guys that are returning. You have Samson Ebukam from the 49ers, a defensive end. Tyquan Lewis. You have Taven Bryant, a defensive tackle, former first-round pick. And you know, I'm all about kicking the tires on former first-round picks. I do think you have a you know, pretty nice defensive line rotation with the moves you've made. Uh, EJ Speed at linebacker, a move that I like. Uh, Matt Gay at kicker. And then, of course, as we said, Ashton Doolin. So it's a little bit of an overview here late Thursday morning of what the Colts have done. Uh, let's start with, uh, I think, one of the more intriguing names that the Colts have signed from San Francisco. You mentioned him, Samson Ubukam. Yeah, again, fourth-round pick in um, – in 2019, Eddie, or 2019 or 2017? I thought 2017. 2017, that's right, because he played four years for the Rams, yep. two years for the 49ers, uh, Eastern Washington. He's a Nigerian native, um, big family came over here. He was like eight or nine. And, um, you know, I, I look at this and I think higher upside Al Qadim Muhammad. I don't know if that's. Too harsh or too, you know, I feel like that's fair. I thought al Muhammad was a nice three-down player. You know, it certainly didn't impact you in immense ways on pass rushdowns, and that's where I reference the higher upside in Ebukam. I think he has more of a pass rush history and showed some consistency from a pressure rate last season that you really like. Again, Yannick Ngakwe, as much as I thought – 
You know, at times he checked an age, an availability, and a sack number box. Consistent pressure was an issue. Fourth quarter pressure was an issue. Um, Ebukam certainly has a little bit more of in the in the consistent pressure rate. He's never been a big sack guy. He's never been over five sacks in his career. Um, you can look at that San Francisco D-line, Eddie, and, and probably look at it one of two ways. One, you could look at it and say, great D-line, just didn't get a lot of opportunity or as much opportunity that as he'll get here. Or you can look at it and say, he had the defensive player of the year opposite him. Yeah. He's not going to get as many single teams as he did playing opposite Nick Bosa. So, again, I look at this as your starter opposite Quiddy Pay. Got some really nice athletic traits that you like, and that comes back to me, the higher upside, a little bit more juice as a pass rusher than al Qadim Muhammad uh, was for this team. Um, you like his durability throughout his career. He's been really durable. He started all 15 games he played in last year for the 49ers. I think he's missed just two games in his entire career. So that's six seasons. Um, three years, I think it was $27 million on that front. Yep. So it's a notable, notable contract. And when you look at the Taven Bryant signing, again, I expect him to be a rotational defensive tackle, provide a little depth, which was an issue behind a Forrest Buckner and Grover Stewart last year. I mean, Eddie, when you start to put those names on paper, Ebukam, Grover, Buckner, Pay and then the reserves, Taekwon Lewis, um, Dio Dangbo, Dio Dangbo, thank you, and then Taven Bryant. That's a nice seven man grouping. I still think you lack maybe the dominant edge rusher or even the somewhat dominant edge rusher. Like, are you going to bet on anybody to get 10 sacks out of that group? No, probably not. Um, I think it's key to kind of have that or try and get that because. That commands a little bit more individual attention from a game plan standpoint, and that can set others up. Um, you know, we'll see if Quiddy Pay can get there in year three. But yeah, I was, I was good with this signing. You know, again, I think he's a guy that has proven himself from a durability standpoint. Chris Ballard, when he's dipped into defensive line free agency, I think he's found success. Mm-hmm. So I think credit deserves to be thrown out there. Um, so yeah, I, I I understand. You know, again, I was a little bit more of like let's. If you're letting Gakwe walk, you still got to do something else. You can't throw all your eggs in the Quiddy Pay Dio Dangbo basket. This is alleviating some of that, which I think was smart. Samson Ubukam, 6'3, 245. Unique Ngakwe, 6'2, 246. And I would say 246 is very wishful thinking on Yannick Ngakwe. I think he was uh, more hovering around 230, to be totally honest with you. Ebukam looks like just has a little bit more. You know, on his frame mm-hmm. than Ngakwe has. So, um, again, that's where I think you're going to get more of a three-down presence from him. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, the most polarizing signing, I think, to start free agency for the Indianapolis Colts will transition there. Matt Gay, uh, he gets four years, $22.5 million, which is the largest free agent contract by any kicker in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, and I think, I really have no issue with this signing, Eddie. Um, I think a couple things to note. First off, I think not a lot of kickers hit free agency that have that that resume, so I think that probably plays into why it's the biggest one you've seen. Um, I look at it like this. You took an issue for this team over the last four or five years, and you got one year of steadiness out of it with Chase McLaughlin, and you said, all right, let's try and take it from steady to a strength. And that is what you're thinking with Matt Gay. I think the other thing you have to point out, Eddie, this move shouldn't and it can't impact other moves that are more pressing. That's the key, and, and, and that's, I think, the worry for for some. And it's understandable because we see now Chris Ballard has operated in prior free agencies. But again, this move, it should not and it cannot impact your decision-making at corner or offensive line or wide receiver or backup quarterback, other positions that are of need and of higher need for this football team. Um, you know, I've always thought this about Matt Gay. I'm like, that dude is a thick kicker. Mm-hmm. He is a 
He's a stocky boy. Um, you know, obviously, the stat that stands out the most is his career percentage. It's 87.5. That's fifth all-time in NFL history. That that sticks out. You know, It's a four-year deal. Eddie, you would like to think in year three or year four of having Matt Gay, that dude is kicking some big kicks in December and January for you. Yeah. So that you know, I, I understand that part of it. And when I say big kicks, obviously I mean playoff type kicks. Uh, you know, he had the rough rookie year. He was a fifth round pick. And I always said this about Chase McLaughlin, Eddie. And I feel for Chase McLaughlin. He's made India's home. He's a Midwest guy. He's bounced around to a lot of teams. He he did just about everything he could last year. Just about everything he could. But Eddie, when you watch Chase McLaughlin kick, it's not the prettiest. And if you look at the back of his baseball card, last year was the outlier. So that's the question that you have of like, he does he's not the most high ceiling kicker. Whereas Matt Gay was a fifth round pick coming out of college. So yeah. like I mean, that's a high, high round for a for a kicker. So there's always been the intrigue in Matt Gay. And he had the rough first year in Tampa. He was kind of a COVID practice squad guy here. You remember during that 2020 season, you had kickers and quarterbacks on the practice squad just to like be insurance. He was that for a couple months here. And then he's been at the Rams, obviously kicked in the playoffs, obviously kicked in the Super Bowl. And you look at the last two years, Eddie. 2021 during the Super Bowl year, 32 of 34 on field goals, 48 of 49 on extra points, pro bowler. Last year, I don't think he missed an extra point last year. 28 of 30 on field goals. The two misses were from 51 and 61. 17 of 23 in his career from north of 50. You know, those are pretty darn good numbers when you look at it. Um, In the postseason, I want to say he's 12 of 14 in his career. So that's, you know, very respectable as well. So, again, I feel for Chase McLaughlin. Not only for what he did last year, but go back to what he did in replacing Adam Vinatieri late in that 2019 season. That's a pretty big deal, and having to be the first guy to kick for Adam Vinatieri. And I thought he was pretty steady then. But if you really want to get technical, he has struggled outdoors. And I think you look at some of those kicks and think, man, that was... Boy, he he's starting that slice, you know, five yards out of the uprights and kind of slicing in there. Whereas you just watch Matt Gay kick it, and it's a little bit more natural. And I know we're getting into like <laughs> really in depth stuff, and there's an element of like, should that matter? Should the pretty matter? Should the arc of a kick matter? Shouldn't it just be about the result? Yeah and no. I mean, yes to a degree, but when you're thinking high potential. When you're thinking Pro Bowl level player, I do think you have to keep in mind Matt Gay has always been thought of as more of a high potential kicker and has proved it the last two years. Whereas Chase McLaughlin, you look at this past season as a bit of the is this the aberration? But Eddie, I will repeat it again. And this is where Colts fans, and I I mean you you, you texted me early on Wednesday morning after this deal. This cannot and should not impact your decision-making elsewhere. The last thing I want to hear from Chris Bauer later this offseason was, you know, you guys complained about us making moves. We signed a kicker, and <laughs> we made, like, that can't impact it. You know, no. you can't. Was it a need to take from steady to great? Sure. But it also was probably sixth or seventh on the list. It can't impact the stuff above it. So that's where I understand Colts fans with that but just in terms of pure did the Colts get better at kicker I would think with confidence you would say yes yeah to me the, the there was one problem and then one thing I wanted to share on this signing the problem I had was just the timing of it like you made kicker a day one free agency priority over adding an interior offensive lineman over adding you know a possibly an edge rusher or, or a wide receiver which is very fair it's a very fair statement. Yeah, I was like, so it, that was the problem for me is that you had three positions and cornerback, really. You had four premium positions in, you know, in Ballard's eyes that you needed to address, but you paid top dollar for a non-premium position again. Yeah, and, and I do not disagree with that. You know, it'd be curious, Eddie, if this move happened on April 16th. You know, how would it be viewed? Like, if this was the last move the Colts made in their free agency pursuit, would it be viewed in a bit of a different light? I think it would. Yeah. It, I just... 
I know we're getting into a little bit more of Ballard overall free agency philosophy, but you know that is, I mean, you look at you know the list of the top hundred free agents. I mean, there's a good chunk of them already gone. Yeah, and yes, the Colts made a move at defensive end, which was a position of need. But when you talk offensive line, or you talk cornerback, or you talk wide receiver, they've been on the quiet end to that. So um, I don't have an issue with the move. I have an issue with the philosophy, and that is kind of an age-old thing that I've had an an issue with. So, uh, so far, Ebukam and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm missing anybody. Ebukam, Gay, and Taven Bryant, and that's it. In terms of signings, correct. Outside the building, we'll see when the Gardner Minshew thing, if and when it happens. Ashton Uh, Doolin, EJ Speed. Ashton Doolin, EJ Speed. Should we talk about Speed and Okereke? Uh, yeah, the one final thing I wanted to touch on before those two yeah. uh, was I think the Matt Gay signing, though, kind of, I don't want to say it's like a big deal, but I think it point more towards the direction of drafting a quarterback because Colts fans are now in this mind. Some Colts fans are in this mindset of, oh, let's go get Lamar. You know, we've got we just freed up twenty seven point one million or whatever it was with the releasing of Matt Ryan and the trading of Stephon Gilmore. To me, paying top dollar at a non premium position just screams that they're going to officially draft a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I did see that sentiment um, by a lot of people. Um, so I, I I understand that. I I don't know if necessarily like that move like all of a sudden makes right. me think you know. I've always thought that would be the route that they would go. I don't know if this move all of a sudden adds to that. I understand where the thinking comes from that. And, again, I have no issue in that. Your thought here is, you know, a lot of people are like, man, four years, that's a lot as well. I mean, yeah, you'd like to think the back end of this rookie contract for a quarterback, you, you're making meaningful kicks. It would not be a good thing if we're at year four and Matt Gay is kicking to score nine points in a game. Yeah. You know, so that is where – I, I look at it. Let, let's transition to linebacker. Eddie, I think this played out pretty much exactly how we thought it would. Bobby Okereke just priced himself into being too expensive for the Colts. You thought $10 million a year was too expensive? Because you've already invested too much at linebacker. I'd rather have EJ Speed of $4.5 million than Bobby Okereke at ten, considering Fair. the finances you've made there. Again, nothing against Bobby. You know, he's a fine player. Yeah. I really like EJ Speed and Eddie... I really like EJ Speed as a linebacker. Like, I think there is still, you know, when he was drafted out of Tarleton State in 2019, I mean, the thought was you're going to have to be patient with him. You know, quarterback, wideout, linebacker background, and a lot of development. I think he is a high end special teamer that still has potential. I don't think you often say that about a lot of people. Um, I'd also call him an insurance policy for Shaquille Leonard with potential. Again, I don't think you label a lot of guys like that either. So I I like speed. I like him at that price. Again, the most special team snaps of anybody. Now that I think about the other name that we we haven't mentioned yet who's coming back, Tony Brown, late last night, cornerback re-signed. He played the second most special team snaps for you last season. So you bring back – I think you bring back your two top special team snap guys from last year, and I want to say like six of seven. Mm Banigou is the one that I don't believe will be back. Um so yeah, good for Bobby Okereke. It's a really nice payday. You know, you aren't playing as many linebackers. You've invested too much, arguably. I I don't even know if that's arguable. I would say you've invested too much at linebacker, anyways. But um, EJ Speed back, Bobby Okereke walking. That checks for me. Sidebar question here before we get into Twitter questions. I, I do want to touch on the Gilmore trade too, but go ahead with the uh, with the sidebar. The Samson. Ebukam signing three years, twenty-seven million. Yes, is that the largest contract Ballard has handed out in free agency? Wow, three for twenty-seven. In terms of overall money, not in terms of yeah. years, obviously, because Matt Gay gets. What was four. Jonathan Hankins? I know we're going back. Was that three for thirty? I forgot about him. I want to say Autry was like three for, is it eight? Eight per year? Yeah, his was relatively cheap. What was Gilmore? 30. Yeah, 30. Hankins was three for 30? Yeah. Nice recollection there. Was that 2017 or 18? Uh, let me pull it up. That would have been 17. 
So that was that first one with John Simon and Jabal Sheard. And yeah, that was the retool from the three four. That was the, the total remake. Well, that was coming in the in the in the next year uh, when you made the permanent switch to the, to the four three. Um, I'm trying to think who else would be. I mean, Gilmore was not at that two level. for twenty. He was two for twenty, right? Yeah, that, that, that sounds right there. You know, again, a lot of these deals have been kind of on the short term, just in length. Um, you know, Ebron short on length as well. Uh, l- l- let's get into Gilmore, okay? Stephon Gilmore to Dallas for a fifth round pick plus what nine point nine million in cap savings. Eddie, when I first saw the move, two things. I first thought, boy, this would have been nice to do at the trade deadline last year, and maybe the fifth rounder becomes a fourth rounder. Maybe the team's a little bit more desperate because they're in season. They think they have a chance. They're right there in the standings. You know, we, we talked about that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you just fired Reich, all those things. I, I would have liked to have seen that done midseason last year, but nonetheless, the second thought I had was. This is a understandable but sad reality of where the franchise is at. Agreed. I understand the move. I 110% understand the move. But it kind of sucks, and it's kind of sad. You know, you're not adding like the Cowboys. The Cowboys think that they're a player or two away. They're trying to make a run. So they absorb this cap. They give up the late fifth-round pick. And they get a player that probably doesn't have three years left, but him and Trayvon Diggs makes a hell of a cornerback duo. Oh, yeah. Um, And it was just kind of on top of like what Carolina did last Friday, Eddie. You're just in a very, I would say, dejected state for this franchise. And for people in our age ranges, it's a very foreign feeling for the franchise. Ballard himself has not made moves like this. Will you trade away quality for cap savings? You know, that's the biggest part of the appeal. The appeal isn't the 176 pick you got from Dallas. The appeal was the 19 or the 9.9 million in cap savings. And then we just inevitably do this in this market, Eddie. And again, I co-host a morning show from 7 to 10 a.m. where we talk about a lot of Colts, but you know, a little bit more than Colts. The other thought I had, and this will be relevant to you with you producing Pacers games, I thought, is this the first admittance by the franchise of what the outlook is for next season? Is this the first time that their actions have said, damn, he's a good player. It's at a position of need. But you know what? We've got to have one eye looking towards past 2023. And is that kind of this? Because think about it in this realm, Eddie. 9.9 in cap savings. Mm-hmm. Ebucom is three years, 27 million, so nine per year. I know it doesn't, the cap hits don't look like that, but just the math says nine annually. So basically, you're saying gone is Gilmore, nine next year. Here's Ebucom, nine annually, but we're stretching his contract out two more years. Mm-hmm. He's five years younger. Um, it has a bit of a feel of like Karis Levert. The Pacers trade to Cleveland, and then here comes Sabonis trade. Here comes the Brogdon trade. I don't know if we're there yet with the Colts. Like I don't know if Ryan Kelly and Kenny Moore are going to be next, but there's some merit there for them to do that. Kind of what Tennessee's doing, you know? Kind of what Tennessee has done from a bit of a stripping it down standpoint. So, again, I totally get where Chris Bauer's coming from with this move, and part of me thought for a second, did Stephon Gilmore quietly want this? Probably. That was be my. That was going to be my point. You know, I, I again, I thought he deserved it last year at the deadline, um, but it's just welcome to the Colts right now. Welcome to the Colts in March of 2023. It's weird. It's different. It's a bit of an unknown to a lot of the fan base. But you know what? It's probably a route that should have been pursued and needs to be pursued. Maybe with some other names. One of the guys that I know that listens to the pod, who I consider a friend, he texted me after the signing went down two different things. The first text that he sent me was, it was a great trade by Ballard simply because Carolina uh, Carolina acquired Gilmore from New England for a seventh, not uh, just the year before. He signed here in Indianapolis. And that was midseason. And I think yeah. health played into that along with a little bit richer contract. I think yeah. it's a little bit more manageable. But that is, that is a very good point. The second one was he traded... Gilmore to Dallas to play Dallas. 
Flowers. Oh, gosh, boy, my head wasn't there. I got it. I laugh. I'm laughing inside. That's good. You know, playing time, Eddie, think about it. Gilmore was over 1,000 snaps for you last year. Faison was over, like, I think he was your third corner. Mm -hmm. I think he played more than Rodgers. So if you look at it, I want to say Gilmore plus Faison was, like, right around 1,500 cornerback snaps. Does this mean Kenny Moore stays? It's a good question. You know, I mean, if you lost Kenny, that would be like 2,200 cornerback snaps gone. Rodgers played, I think, around 400, and Flowers played a little over 100 to end the year. So when you look at it in the, that realm, you know, we've always thought corner was a need. It, it, it just has risen in how big of a need. Now, the good news is pretty good cornerback draft class. That's the sound of it here in 2023. Um, we'll see how things play out. Um, Return of the Rock. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw the Rocky scene stuff on social media. I I would not be opposed to that. I I do want a hat tip to Stephon Gilmore. I mean Eddie, when the game's on the line, who's gonna close? Who's gonna make plays? Gilmore did it. Did it. I love how he goes about his business. I love the way he plays corner. The raw athletic traits are not as there for him mm-hmm. anymore. He's a technician. He is a Oh, yeah, I watched the wideouts we play on Instagram in the offseason work out. They're going to post their workouts. I want to see how they come out of their breaks. I want to get a little bit of an intel on them. Like, yeah. that is beautiful to get into that aspect of it. And whether it was, you know, Cortland Sutton in the Denver game, whether it was Devontae Adams at the end of the Raiders game, whether it was, I think it was Juju, who Mahomes was targeting um, when Gilmore got his hand in there and, and the Colts picked it off to seal the Chiefs game. I mean, shit, man. Without him, hell, you you might be drafting C.J. Stroud number one. Like, he was critical in those four, three of those four wins, certainly, in closing those out. Before we get to Twitter questions, Eddie, uh, a quick look at the Colts draft picks here for 2023 after this move. Okay. They've got the first. That's the fourth overall. They've got their second. That's 35 overall. They have 79 overall from Washington. That's the Carson Wentz trade. They don't have their own third. That's the Nick Cross trade. They've got round four, 106, round five, 138, and then they've got the two additional round fivers. Naheem Hines, 162, that's from Buffalo, and then the Gilmore, round five, 176 from Dallas. Their six-rounder, the Colts went to Tampa for Grant Stewart. Um, they got Tampa seventh. So they have 221 and 236 there to close out round seven. So nine picks, three and five, none and six, two and seven. Something tells me they'll either have more or less. Yeah, I would venture to guess that's probably a very accurate way to I should, uh, put I should, it. That's some good analysis there, isn't it? Yeah, it was very insightful and very enlightening. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Um. It is kind of wild to think Naheem Hines nets a higher pick than Gilmore. You know, especially with running back being the position that it is versus cornerback. But age and contract play into that. Uh, anything else before we get into Twitter questions? Not that I can think of. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into them. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Rodney's up first and he asks, does the Matt Gay signing indicate that the Colts may be in fact considering Lamar Jackson as a quarterback option or some other free agent quarterback? I'm not sure why you would give record money to a kicker like Matt unless you are trying to win right now. Or do you believe that they can do that with a rookie quarterback? Thanks, my guy. Um, I appreciate that, Rodney. I, I would say, I guess let's start here again. Minshew would be the backup quarterback that I think they would have the most interest in, and that signing could happen somewhat soon. But I'll reiterate what I said earlier about Matt Gay. It cannot influence others. Um, And you know what, Eddie? I think it's worth repeating that, you know, in all likelihood, you draft a quarterback, they're going to be on a very manageable rookie contract. This is your time to take advantage of that and kind of do some different things contractually aggressive wise so that I think can be viewed as one of them 
right now. And again, back into the contract, you'd like to think that you're attempting and making some really meaningful kicks with Matt Gay. Colt Maniac wants your thoughts on if the Colts are going to ride with Sam Ellinger next or this upcoming season as the starting quarterback and if they're going to trade back and just accumulate more picks this year and next. Again, a question I would have laughed at a week ago, Eddie, and now now we entertain it because you have to. Um, Again, I don't think they'd be riding with Sam Ellinger necessarily, but it's more of just like what's the plan? And I'll go back to the Pacers analogy, Eddie. The Pacers are on track to win, what, 35 games, something like that? That would be like one of the, I think it's like the second fewest games they've won as a franchise in a dozen years. So by that standard, it's one of the worst seasons the franchise has had in over a decade. Yet, you talk to your friends. I talk to my friends. I see people in public. You talk to them about the Pacers? Occasionally. And fans are thrilled. Oh, yeah. Fans love it. There's intrigue. There's hope. How do the Colts create that? You know, like, the NFL and the NBA are different, I think, in how you go about building, tanking, whatever you want to call it. Rebuilding, all of it. Yeah. So, I know it's not exactly the same, but I think it's very important for the Colts to try and inject hope, not because your fan base is needing it, but because I also think that is the best route to go down to try and find the answer at quarterback. That young rookie path of development and all of that, to me, that's what has to be done. And I sit here and think about, think to myself, you haven't won a division in eight years. You haven't drafted a quarterback in the first three rounds since luck. You just went 4-12-1 and and had one of the most embarrassing seasons in franchise history. Yeah. You have the fourth overall pick. I just, like can't accept not taking a quarterback mm-hmm. for all those re- like mm-hmm. I'm like wh- how is this even a debate you know but then you sit here and you think okay if Stroud and Levin or if Stroud and Young are on one tier and Levis and Richardson are on the next tier you know and and all of a sudden there's a separation of Levis and Richardson and some team comes trading up to number three and now you're getting the other choice and again I will pound this and I tweeted out last night Eddie I think you got to move up to the third pick. I mentioned kind of the the. Um, what would the compensation look like? Do you know? Yeah, I want to say like a maybe like a future second, ish. I know that's rich. Trust me, but Eddie, hear me out on it. I know we we threw out kind of a similar hypothetical on Monday, but I think it's worth mentioning. Right now, I don't think you're done with the quarterback process. You met with these guys at the combine. What's left on the schedule for the next month and a half? Pro days. You've got pro days. You've got top 30 visits if you want them. And you've got private workouts. The pro day, I don't care one you-know-what how any of them throw in a pro day. I don't care one bit what happens on the field. (laughs) What I do care about is when you travel to Florida and... God, I can't even name Florida's head coach anymore. Young guy, right? He's relatively new. Look that up. Florida head football coach. Shows you how bad Florida was this past season. I can't even name it. Florida head football coach. You go to their pro day. You ask them, hey, you know, you got a place in your office. We could chat with Anthony Richardson for 10 minutes. Hey, you care if we grab your offensive coordinator? Talk with him for 15. That's when you are finding out more about the separator. And the separator is neck up. And listen to Shane Sykin at the Combine. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Phillip Rivers, they're built different. They look different. They throw it differently. Yeah. Athletically, physically, Shane Sykin has proven he can make a lot work. The separator is what you've got head up. And mm-hmm. Shane Sykin said, Hurts, Herbert, Rivers, they're all wired in the way that you'd want them wired. So what I'm getting at is, over the next couple of weeks, Eddie, that's when you finalize the end of that profile on these guys. And it's arguably the most important part of the profile. How are you... What makes you tick? What makes you tick? 
And so by moving up to number three tomorrow, Eddie, what you do is this. You cover your ass if you fall in love as a team. Again, let's play out the hypothetical. Let's play out Stroud goes one, Young goes two. Now it's Levis or Richardson. If all of a sudden you feel something a little different with Will Levis or you feel something a little bit different with Anthony Richardson, now you're at three. Now you can make the call. You're in control. Or you're sitting at three. Maybe you don't have this great feeling on either of them. But what if Atlanta at seven does? Or Detroit at six does? Now they're calling you. And you're fielding calls. And now you could move up to three, but then move back. If you don't have a great feel on either of them, but maybe that team does because they fall in love at a pro day or at a top 30 visit. So I hope that makes sense for people. Yep. And why I want to see them move up to three right now. I know I'm kind of getting a little bit off track (laughs) with the original question, um, but it is something that I wanted to mention again. While you were talking there, Two things kind of struck my mind. Uh-huh. Number one, did the length of the head coaching interview process impact Ballard and the, and the scouting staff slash department from diving deep into these quarterbacks ahead of time to where they haven't been able to give themselves enough time to fall in love with the correct or whatever, whichever quarterback? Secondly, Carolina already knew they were going to need a quarterback going forward. Frank Reich was the head coach here and kind of probably had that assumption leading up to that New England game after the first time they benched Matt Ryan that they were going to need a quarterback in the future. So that kind of accelerated him in terms of knowing these guys, Yeah, which I think led to Carolina having right. something, something in, that we talked about a lot on Monday. Yeah. So those were kind of two things that stood out to me. Yeah, I don't think I. I think it's a perfectly understandable question. I don't think like you have been restricted a whole lot from the quarterback evaluation because your area scouts have little to do, nothing to do with the hiring of the head coach. So you've done all your homework already from an area scout standpoint on these guys. And Eddie, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis this time last year were thought to be high picks in the next draft. Yep. So, like, you could have done your homework early on them. And as much as you thought Matt Ryan could play for several years, you need to make sure that you're doing your due diligence on them. Again, for me, Eddie, I would say you always have access to the tape. It's more of the complete the profile on these guys. Between the ears? Between the ears. Did that take away from maybe calling Florida's offensive coordinator? Who was Florida's head coach? Billy Napier. Billy Napier, yes. Louisiana Tech, is that where he came from? Sure. I don't know, maybe they're... I think Mike White, their basketball coach, might have, or their old basketball coach, might have came from Louisiana Tech. Um, so I think that's where you know maybe you were not having the same amount of time that you would usually have. Simpsons Twitter question is up next. I've been out of touch a bit, so I'm sorry if this is a retread question. But with hindsight being what it is, how damaging was the 2019 draft class to the Reich slash Ballard era, and even now the new Steichen Ballard pairing? Going down the list, and Okereke being the most recent, many of those players are gone from the roster with zero net return. Aside from the Yannick Ngakwe trade, curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Obviously, if you look at the 2019 draft, Eddie, the only one still here is EJ Speed. We'll see how the Paris Campbell thing plays out. You know, Rocky Seen netted you Ngakwe for a year. I. I'd say a combination of Rocks, three seasons here, plus Ngakwe, you'd like a little bit more out of the 34th overall pick. Um, you know, Banigou, probably Ballard's biggest bust of a pick. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Bobby O'Carrick had a nice run here. That, to me, is more of an argument of... Hooker? Was he a Ballard? He was. I'm always kind of torn on that first draft, Eddie, like... You know, how much do you equate them to be in like absolute bust? How much was that injury related with, with Hooker as well? And Banigou, for the most part, was always healthy. Um, you know, Karake in round three, you know, is round three too rich for a linebacker? I mean, you know me. You never draft a running back till day three. I don't know if I'm the same way with linebacker, but it's just tough to see a guy that was a quality player for you as a third round pick and you don't re sign him. Uh, Kari Willis, of course. Has retired. The Marvell Tell thing didn't work out, 
And then the sixth and seventh rounders, Gary Green, Jackson Barton, and Javon Patterson never sniffed anything for you. Um, so, yes, it is a disappointing draft. I think it's worth mentioning again. You traded out around one of that draft. Yep. That was Montez Sweat. You know, he's been a, what, 30 sacks in four years, probably hovering right around that. I remember looking that up when the Colts played Washington here um, this past season. So, yeah, the 2019 draft, for as great as 2018 was, it, it, it was disappointing. Um, and that's even if you bring back Campbell. You would still have liked a little bit more pop from that draft because, you know, you did have some great day two, historic day two success in the year prior. So, yeah, that is probably something that we look at it, and it's almost like the even drafts are better than the odd drafts <laughs> in the in the Ballard era, which, again, draft success is not easy to obtain. But I would say 2019. It's not on 27. Well, I don't know. At least 2017, you got Grover. Yeah, you could probably debate both 2017 and 2019. To your point, though, Hooker was what? Top half of round one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, nice job. You nailed all the picks. I had to pull it up just to see who all was there. And then you even went all the way down there. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think of the 2020 draft off the top of my head. So 2020 was... Pittman? Pittman, Taylor, Blackman, Eason, Pinter. Was it Glasgow, Patman, Ellinger? Is that it? Hold on, let me pull it up. Oh, Isaiah Rogers has got to be in there. Um, twenty twenty. Yeah. You have it. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Patman. So here, let me just go in order again. Okay. Pittman, Taylor, Blackman, Eason, Pinter, and then in some weird order, Rogers, Glasgow, Ellinger, Patman. Correct. Is it in that order? No. It was no. Rogers Patman. Got it. Got it. Was there a round seven pick? Um but they don't have any. Let me scroll down Why here. It's so many round sixes that year. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the even I mean that's that that's a very I mean, it's, Oh, it's, you forgot one. It's a great draft. I forgot one. Penn State. Oh, fries. No. No. Uh the D tackle that, that retired, Windsor. Yes. Rob Windsor. Yeah. He was he was earlier than those guys, right? Yeah. Six rounder? Windsor was in uh yeah. He yeah. was one of the four. Yeah, he was intense. But yeah, he retired hip or back or something weird. Windsor, Rogers, Patman, and uh Glasgow were all six round picks. Riveting podcasts there, so <laughs> Let's get back on track. Uh, Logan says he's been watching Will Levis game tape a little bit, especially against Florida. He noticed that he tends to throw with his feet not set and not in proper position to hitch produces higher throws. Uh, can that be fixed with coaching? Also, he's really good in play-action game, and with JT, that could become really successful, as well as quick rhythm throws. Would Steichen recognize that as a possible strength in his game? Love the pod. Listen to it every time it comes out. Thank you, and keep up the great Let's work. Go, Thank you, Logan. I appreciate yes, sir. that. means a lot. Um, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I could see why the Colts would have more interest in Will Levis than the common population has in him. Maybe not as much to do with the football mechanics of it, but a little bit more to do with, again, how he's wired. Like, I think he's got some traits that check the Colts' boxes. It's not, this is not intel from me. I, I, it's more context clues. So, Logan, to your point, I could see that. To me, with Levis, and I don't know how coachable this is, KB, the biggest knock on him, in my, in my opinion, from what I've seen, the ability to feel the pressure sure. from the blind side. And again, that a lot of that is innate and a lot of that to me Eddie is comes back to poise, you know, and when I've talked about Bryce Young, I think in some way shape or form, poise/accuracy slash plus athleticism. That's what you're trying to achieve at quarterback. If you're able to protect better, if you're able to help him process better, which again, I mean that's kind of a dangerous thing, you know, does that help him in that area? It's a little nervy. You know, that was very coach speak of you. You said poise plus athleticism slash what? Poise plus poise slash accuracy plus athleticism. 
you forgot the equal sign, and then you would be like Coach right there. <laughs> you'd be Coach. You'd be Coach Bowen right there. Is that my Coach Rick Venturi impression? I guess so. I mean, you just need some kind of cliche, you know, equals whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. Morse Reservoir All-Star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Akeem would like to know, would you trade the fourth overall pick for the sixth overall and 18th overall, then take Anthony Richardson uh, and then an edge rusher or wide receiver with the 18th pick? Thanks. Yeah, and I think, to be fair to Anthony, or to Akeem, I think he sent this in a little while ago before Richardson kind of blew up and, and you know, maybe it was thought that, you know, he could go a little bit later. I First off, moving from 6 to 4 would cost you 18. I, I, I don't, I would have to look closer at that draft chart. But I think it's worth mentioning again, Eddie, that right behind Indianapolis, you have Seattle with the 20th and you have Detroit with the 18th. Part of me is like, they could trade up. They could trade above the Colts. They could get to Arizona at three. The other part of me is, is that where Hendon Hooker's going? Does Hendon Hooker go 18 to Detroit? Does he go 20 to Seattle? I could see that for the fifth-year option. For the fifth-year option, less to do with him as a project. I know he's coming off the ACL, but I think a lot of people think he could play pretty early. Obviously, in Geno Smith and Jared Goff's case, you don't necessarily need that that early. I think most people viewed Seattle and Detroit as more of the Richardson type, sit for maybe two years mm-hmm. and kind of look at it from that end. You know, as far as the other areas of need, again, wide receiver certainly. And then I think I think corner is almost overtaken edge in terms of position of need. I agree. I didn't know if you were done or you're going to no, keep going all there. done. What do we got? How, how many more we got? I've got two. Drew got and Andrew. With the off, uh, offense, with the offseason officially here, it's pretty obvious that the Colts will take a quarterback in the first round. What about the second round? I see a lot of wide receivers projected to the Colts. What about cornerback or even linebacker considering the health of Shaq Leonard and contract situation with Bobby Okereke? And obviously we know the Bobby O situation now. Yeah, again, from a draft depth standpoint, it sounds like a good edge class, tight end class, and cornerback. Um I could talk myself into probably all of those, especially edge and corner, uh, more so corner. Again, you have the Kenny Moore thing. Again, it's a little too early for me, linebacker-wise. Just Even with the Leonard thing, I think you could get by with Speed and Franklin and then draft a day three linebacker. And I will never turn down a wideout. Never turn down a wideout that early. Uh, especially supporting the rookie quarterback. Like That can't get lost on us, Eddie. It, it, the offseason's got to be about supporting the young quarterback. And so, whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So far, we haven't seen a lot of moves to do that. Um, we need to see more of that. Agreed with you there. Uh, last Twitter question comes from Andrew Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagaviola, and I want to add this one on myself. Aaron Rodgers are all in the AFC right now. Do you believe there is a guy in this draft that can transcend into the top of this list? Is there any thought of getting a cheap vet to instill into Shane Steichen's culture, trading back and getting an extra first in 2024 and going, oh, chips in <laughs> next year for a real freak like Caleb Williams or Drake May? It's a great question, Andrew. Um, on Monday's pod, I think we rattled off all the AFC quarterbacks that could be you know, starting for them in 2023. Um, it's quite impressive list. I would argue, I don't know if Russell Wilson deserves to be on that list anymore that you just mentioned. But I would add this, Eddie. Those names, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lawrence, Jackson, Wilson, Herbert, Tua. Of those eight, Burrow and Lawrence, right? Those and you have Deshaun Watson. You can't, I mean, Yeah, you can, you can throw Watson in there. Um, of those eight, only two of them taken in the top four. Of a draft. So to me, it's a reminder that you can still develop. Like, again, he says kind of transcend into that. Guys can still get there. And this comes back to my argument about 
the Colts aren't going to get the third best quarterback if they sit there at four and take a QB, but they will have the third choice at quarterback in all likelihood. And that to me is when you when you trade up, what what Carolina is doing in trading up, they're not necessarily saying we're get we're going up there to get the best quarterback. Obviously, that's their hope. What they're doing by trading up is they're saying we just paid to choose first. Yeah. We don't want others to dictate. I use the candy bar analogy on on Monday. You know, they don't want Eddie Garrison to get inside the gas station before Kevin Bowen does, and you and you pick all the Reese's, and now I'm screwed. You know, I, they don't want that. That's part of what you're paying for. I, obviously, as far as the Caleb Williams Drake May thing, I just think it's so hard to tank in the NFL, and it just takes one team to be worse than you. Mm-hmm. And if they're worse than you, they probably need a quarterback. And what if one team just has a quarterback that gets hurt? Yep. Early in September, and the Colts play in such a. They still play in the AFC South. Yeah. I mean Tennessee and Houston. I mean the Colts. If they went and played them tomorrow, and Gardner Minshew was under center, the Colts would probably split those four games. So it's not like you're going to go winless. And obviously they're going to get other wins on the schedule. And Shane Steichen, that's the last thing he's going to be wanting to do. So again, understand the question. Um, but that's kind of how I view it. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC now? The Dak, Jalen Hurts. I think it's Hurts, but Justin Fields. Eddie, if you listed out the top thirty-two quarterbacks in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean it's definitely Hurts. But if you list out the thirty-two, Brock Purdy quarterbacks in the league, Kyler Murray. Ninety percent of them are going to come from the AFC when you're making a top twelve, top fifteen sort of list. All right, Stafford. Um, New, we'll see him come back from injury. Um, we'll see how the news cycle flows here over the next few days. I'm guessing Monday we'll come back with our next pod, but wanted to make sure we gave you a little bit of an update as we've seen some moves around the league so far. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the first and second round of March Madness. We'll talk to you early next week.